everybody. We are back with, I guess, what is the start of the second mini season? Episode nine of the Dance Teacher Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jean Watts, teacher, consultant, choreographer, and founder of The Movement Mentor. We do choreography, train dancers, teachers, coaches, work with studios and teams, build curriculum, custom costumes, dance photography, you know, all the dance things. We actually just finished our Studio Lights photo shoots that happened in May. So those were super fun. Tons of great images of dancers. We are excited to show you those or start sharing those as they are edited. Um, Plus, you can follow us on social media for a behind-the-scenes look at those. One of my assistants, Lizzie, makes great TikToks, so those will be posted in a couple places. Today, I'm speaking to anyone, everyone, and it's going to be a little blunt. To keep it within a single episode, I kind of have to be. Uh, Of course, there are always special circumstances, caveats, exceptions. Every body, not just everybody, every body is individual. But today I'm going to be direct and general, and it's possible some people are not going to love what I have to say, which which is fine. You can turn it off. You can disagree. If you want to stand strongly in a counter position, though, you've got to bring receipts, so to speak. Uh, I never take issue with viewpoints that conflict with my own, but you need the data, the research, the facts to back it up, Uh, because I've done my research. That's all I'm saying. I've for sure done mine. So now all that drama might lead you to believe that this is going to be like an ultra juicy topic. Uh, sorry to disappoint. <laughs> it's, it's not. Uh, we are talking about training dancers' bodies symmetrically for strength, flexibility, and skill acquisition. The only reason I preface with all of that is because it is so common. I see it so commonly not done that way. So in that sense, this might be a little bit of a hot button topic, but We're talking about training symmetrically. Here we go. This week's cover art is a play on the title of the podcast, which is a play on the 80s song Electric Boogie. And it has that little phrase in there that we all know, it's electric, which, fun fact, is originally a song from the 70s that got covered and then was the song that the electric slide dance was originally choreographed to. But I'll be honest, she, the dancer in this image, didn't do this pose on both sides. It's a composite image we created in post. But hey, I think it still fits nicely with the theme. It's a cool image. The dancer featured here is Ella Gaynor, so shout out to her and to my sister who took this photo during one of our previous photo shoot sessions. I also know Ella's mom listens to this podcast, so hello, Rachel. Thanks for listening. Disclaimer, this podcast talks in terms of real-life situations. The intention is never to be overly harsh or critical, but we aren't going to avoid talking about the issues. The following opinions are just that, an opinion that others are free to disagree with and may not reflect everyone's exact experiences. Please try not to take anything too personally unless you're inspired to reflect or reconsider your stance. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of anyone Sarah Jean Watts LLC works with and are intended for general knowledge. Everything we discuss here is meant to be constructive but honest. Finally, on to the meat and potatoes. Symmetric training and why you should care about it. Okay, let's start with the most blunt. Well, I don't even want to say it's blunt because that makes it sound like it's going to be bad. Any training of the body is, in best practice, done on both sides. I I think that's a universal agreement. Is anybody hitting the gym for leg day and only doing reps on the right? No. Is anybody doing shoulder presses with five pounds in one hand and 15 in the other? Also, no, not very likely. I mean, unless, like, taking out the consideration for 
injuries and specific like PT restrictions and modifications to account for injuries, there's no reason it wouldn't be done equally on both sides. I know, I know. Many skills show up in choreography on one side more than the other. So from that respect, it makes sense that they need attention and the time should be spent there. But class is not choreography. We don't train in dance class to simply survive the routine. I mean, you can, but personally, I then hesitate to call that a dance education. You're learning to execute routines and not to dance in any larger sense of the word. Class is where we build the whole dancer. Time for warming up, isolation, distribution of weight, alignment, fundamentals, use of floor, contraction and release, uh, breaking things down into small skills and progressions, port bra anatomy, and so many other things. So I will quit rattling on about it. But my point is, when you train one side, you are training a very specific skill set for a very specific purpose with a very specific limit of use. This means dancers can only execute if body positions are close to identical to the way it was trained. The symmetry in the body, the coordination developed on both sides being missing now. It also limits choreography extensively. It's easy to think that you'd never want the other side anyway, so who cares, until the movement pattern, the staging, the formation, the picture, the continuity, etc., would have been better or considerably more diverse if you'd had both sides to work with. We all already know ballet training is built symmetrically. It it may happen, but I have personally never seen a ballet teacher do like a bar all on one leg for class and then just completely skip the other side. It's, It's unheard of. Everybody understands that would be crazy. And yet, go to another style of dance and it is exponentially more likely to occur. If there was any sense in the decision to favor one side, then why do we universally agree that we don't do ballet that way? Then, I mean, okay, let's say we did. Then all ballets could just be choreographed to the dancer's better side, which is usually the right, except for the people who find left skills easier or are more naturally flexible on that side. So either those people never get to show their ability to its full capacity, or they adapt to doing everything right dominant, which isn't a bad thing. They should be ambidextrous, but so should everybody else. Okay, so even if you listen to all of that and you still aren't on board, the hands down most important reason to train the body symmetrically, and by train I mean technique, strength, flexibility, skills, all the things, is injury prevention. Muscle imbalance leads to injury. Imbalances in the body can lead to compensation habits that can be very damaging. Like this can happen in our superficial muscles or the ones we tend to see and give a lot of attention to. And I don't mean superficial in the most common sense of the word, I mean in the medical sense. So the ones that we see a lot, that that bulk up, that we most commonly know the names of, the quads, the hamstrings, stuff like that. Um, But also in the smaller supportive ones in the deep stabilizers we don't often think about but do a ton of work for us the soft tissue and sensitive parts inside our joints when extensively damaged can be have can have permanent consequences the human body is designed to work uni and cross laterally to make us more efficient movers to explain this concept in the simplest of terms just to make it clear and easy for the variety of listeners we have on this podcast 
constantly strengthening one muscle group and stretching another will cause problems. So let's look at a common example. Jazz pirouette position. Like I've said, I pick turns a lot in this podcast because it is a very identifiable situation. Jazz pirouette position. The supporting versus gesturing leg. So we have the supporting leg, the glutes on that side of the leg that you're standing on. The glutes on that side are firing to keep you stabilized. You've got hamstrings working over there, quads pulling that leg up nice, straight, and tall. The hip flexors on that side would be in a stretched out position or like lengthened position so you get that front flat of the hip. You've got the calf and Achilles that are working because you're in a releve, preferably a high releve, the metatarsal muscles on that foot working to stretch the ankle, point the foot. Then on the gesturing side or the side that is in that passe position for a jazz pirouette, we'll say, you've got the glutes on that side a little bit more lengthened due to the position of the leg. The hamstrings are working to keep the leg bent up really tight in a tight high passe position. You have the hip flexors that are doing their job flexing the hip. So they're pulled up. You want that deep hip flexor crease on that side. So your psoas, your iliac is working. Again, uh, through the through the ankle of the foot, you still got that that point position. And so we're talking about now what is being like really doing a lot of strengthening and stabilizing work on one side and some parts stretching, like mainly the hip flexors are in opposition, but a couple different things working differently. And then you have a, a different kind of group and intensity of muscles working on the other side, which is usually the right leg for in most case for dancers. And we haven't even talked now about anything above the belt, right? We're not working on arms or core or anything. There's already a clear difference in what the left side versus the right side is doing. And in in a repetitious amount over and over and over again, certain muscles will develop an ability to do a job very well on the left and certain muscles will do that on the right. And same thing with flexibility and mobility, but it won't be equal. Plus, on top of that, there is all of the connective tissue, the ligaments, the tendons, and the cartilage in there that is getting pulled, pressed, and potentially worn down. So I don't want to dive into it too deep at this point, especially for podcast listeners you can't see, so it's hard to visualize. But if we're talking about super common example in dancers, a labral tear, we've got this cartilage that kind of lines um, where your, your femur ends in this ball, and it goes like a ball of socket joint, blah, 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 so on and so forth. But that constant wearing and lifting of that leg and rotation of that femoral head inside the the hip joint there is a lot of repetitive wear and tear on that little cartilage too. And it can get little nicks, it can get damaged, it can get irritated, it, it can end up torn in extreme cases, which may require a surgery to repair. And I'm not trying to tragically alarm people but at the same time let me just get off my notes for a second you know me this whole podcast is me on my soapbox but let me just get on it even more I don't like scaring dancers or parents it's that's not what I want to do but I guess if I have to do it I will because because dance increases intensity in intensity every year so much the bar for what we expect of dancers at an at a certain age never stops raising. It's so athletic. It's so intense. It's so demanding on the body and on growing bodies, on bodies that are not fully finished developing, that, you know, still have um, expansion in the joints that ha- or that hasn't solidified yet. All kinds of things, right, that are going through growth spurts and different things are growing at different times. You, I could go on and on about that, right? But 
we're expecting extreme high-level athletic performance from these basically underdeveloped or not fully developed bodies. And you're asking it to do the same intense things over and over and over again. There is high risk. It, you should take it seriously. You should be worried about damaging sensitive tissue in the body. You should be worried about overstretching ligaments. You should be worried about what the long-term consequences are to having extreme muscle imbalances that as you grow, pull your, your bones, your joints, your spinal alignment or whatever to one way or the other. You should care. So again, I don't mean to scare anybody, but you should care. Okay, so step off that box now for a second. Sorry. I probably even had like an angry tone of voice, but it is what it is. I'm passionate about it because I really care about it. And I see what happens when you don't care. Or I shouldn't say that because it's not like you don't care. Just the lack of knowledge can be detrimental. Okay. Okay. So my next point is very basically what I was just ranting about. So (laughs) this might be a little repetitive, but as dance gets more and more intense, It requires greater athleticism, greater range of motion, high impactability, extreme endurance, the diversity in style and technique, because it's not just enough now to be one particular thing, right? We don't just find a track and then basically stay there as our home base, or we're just finding ballet and training to be ballerinas, being a classical jazz dancer through and through, and then using that in stage performance and Broadway. It Now the dancers have to do all the things. You, you, you got to be in the ballet. You have to be using modern for contemporary. You need jazz. You need acro. Now we are seeing how much Latin and ballroom is being infused into. Blah, blah, blah. So on and so forth. Okay. Dap, name it. Hip hop, everything. Okay. You have to be super diverse in both style and technique. And we run the risk of creating even larger gaps. It honestly becomes more important than ever to be building strength and flexibility symmetrically. If you think about all of that, and dance by its nature is incredibly repetitive, not just because of the types of movement we do, but because of the element of rehearsing, rehearsing choreography, the same movement patterns are being repeated over and over and over again. And again, I go back to the easy analogy of exercising. So before I said, you know, only doing reps on the right leg for leg day. Okay, that let's change it up a little bit. Constantly doing leg day and have, having two different workouts. for uh, Having a leg day routine for your right leg and then having a whole different set of exercises every time you do your, le- your leg day on your left leg. Both sides will get stronger, yes, but not in the same way. And nobody would recommend training like that except I see it in dance every single day. If none of those things convinced you, or you have a reason that counters that, then let's talk about it. I would love to actually talk about it. And I don't mean that sarcastically, like I really do want to have conversations about this kind of stuff. One, so I can understand where an alternative viewpoint is coming from. Again, like I said in the opener, please though, have research and facts to back that up. But um, I, I am curious as to to what the mindset is on that. And I hope it's I hope it's not just short-term goals. I hope it's not, yeah, I know it's important and I get it, but I really care about having the skills more. I really care about winning the competition more. I really care about this very short window in life that I'm going to be dancing at this intensity and what the long-term consequences to that are are not that important right now. I hope it's not that. 
And to be honest, I do feel like I know it takes more work. It takes more dedication. It takes more of your time, energy, and effort. But if you built yourself to be a symmetrical dancer, it's not just preventing long-term health consequences. You are going to be a better dancer right now. I know it's hard to see that because you want the certain skills on the certain side, but you're going to, it is going to show up in the way that you move, that you are equally strong and coordinated and flexible on both sides. It just will. Just please try to trust me. But anyways, moving on. If you don't train one side because you don't use it, change that. Start using it. If you don't train it because you don't think there's time for both sides, either, to be honest, adjust your class time planning and approach or alternate, you know. So maybe if there it's only like a 30 or 45 minute thing and the reality is there really are time constraints, then maybe one day is a right leg day and another is a left leg day, so on and so forth. If you don't train it because nobody taught you that way, do better. When you know better, do better. If you don't train it because you don't see the point, do it for no other reason than the responsible education of dancers that takes into account their overall health and well-being. So let me talk to individual subsets of people listening to this podcast as we wrap up here. Studio owners and teachers are responsible for having knowledge on how to safely and effectively train dancers' bodies and for continuing to pursue and develop that knowledge. And to adapt when new information comes. Like I said, when you know better, do better but also be actively pursuing the quest for knowing better. Otherwise, this isn't the job for you. Sorry, but it's true. I, that's a, that's what, when I said in the beginning that something might rub people the wrong way they might not like, this is one of those things. If you are not actively trying to know more and do better as a dance educator, you shouldn't be in this job. Dancers, children, their parents are trusting you to put them through rigorous and uncommon activity, and you need to be worthy of that trust. Dancers are responsible for paying attention to both sides of their body, not ignoring or shortchanging the side that you don't quote unquote like, pushing for more and more skills on one side of your body, but not the other, for ensuring you do get symmetrical training in dance technique, strength, and flexibility, for being aware of and working to bring up the weaker, looser, tighter, less coordinated, whatever side of your body to the ability of the other. This is your responsibility. Parents are responsible for caring more about the physicality and health of their dancer than skill acquisition, for wanting their dancer to be trained in a whole person, whole body sense, and not allowing or encouraging shortcuts in pursuit of winning a trophy. You are the caretaker and guardian of this body now and for the future. Even as dancers become teenagers, they need guidance and boundaries. We give it to them in all these other areas of life. Why would we let them throw that all away and dance because it's too hard or they can't be bothered to do the work? They don't just need this body now, they need it forever. Help them learn to treat it well, to be thoughtful about how they use it, to protect it, to respect and strive for longevity in all things over immediate and quite potentially superficial gains. I'm sorry, but no, the ends don't justify the means. Symmetric training isn't always glamorous. Neither is strength training or proper stretch and mobility habits or Recovering from an injury 
correctly and fully. Much of the work we encounter in life isn't going to make our highlight reel, but it's where that boring, (laughs) slow-paced, tedious, but extremely vital work gets us over time that we celebrate. I think we will leave it at that for this episode. Like I always say, I'm open in conversation on this topic. I'm always interested in hearing alternative opinions, but you got to come with that stuff. Research, reason, logic, facts, basis in modern sports medicine, dance science. It's so, so, so important that we honor our bodies for allowing us to dance. And even though it can be hard to see, there is a bigger picture than the next trick that you want to get or the latest piece of choreography that you want to execute or put on stage. We need to take care of ourselves and each other, especially in the ways that we tend to forget. DM your topic suggestions and questions to us on Instagram at The Movement Mentor or at Dance Teacher Diaries and on Facebook at The Movement Mentor Official. And you can always contact us or see more of the kind of work that we do on our website, themovementmentor.com. Thank you for listening this week. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help us connect and be more helpful to people in the dance community. And remember, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you.